Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Soul Fate Podcast, where we interview builders and founders in the Solana ecosystem, and sometimes just in the crypto ecosystem more broadly. We've got an awesome one for you. Nick doesn't like that I keep saying this, but Vidor, (laughs) founder and CEO of Soulflare, might be my new favorite person in the ecosystem. He is... Just pretty great. Awesome. It was a great conversation. It, the whole episode was a vibe, right? It was great. Um, to be clear, I said the not saying favorite about every single person. They can't all be your favorite, and then no one's your favorite. It's like if you highlight yeah, everything. I'm just, I'm just I an digress. optimistic person. It was a great but, episode with Vidor, though. <laughs> He's a great guy. It, it, it really was. I had no idea. The the team behind Soulflare has actually been in the ecosystem. I a mean, really long obviously, time. they've been in the ecosystem a long time because Soulflare has been in the ecosystem for a long time. But they did a bunch of stuff even before that, and some maybe a little bit concurrently, and have been doing mm-hmm. stuff in crypto since long before Solana. Even they've they've worked on you know a bunch of different ecosystems, and uh, it almost that almost excites me even more, right? That they're sort of here building in Solana because they're bullish on the the tech that we have here, the the community that we yeah, have absolutely. here. It was really really awesome. Yeah, Vitor talked about that. We we talked about how him and his team have been building a long time even before Solana even started. They they tinkered with some other chains. Like James said, they, they still do a little bit, but still very bullish on Solana in general, which is which is awesome. Like they have the experience of experiencing and developing on other chains, but they they even know that Solana is uh, a clear standout amongst amongst the rest. And uh, what else we talked about? We also talked about Soul Scout, which is really cool. That's yes. a cool initiative that the Soul Flare team has kind of been been kicking off. We talked a little bit about their MetaMask Snap integration sort of thing. That was pretty cool. That was super awesome, actually. Yeah, I mean, overall, it was just a lot of fun. Vidor convinced me that I should probably just be doing my swaps in wallet instead of on it's other true. sites. So all, all, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, it's a good combo. Let's uh, Let's dig into it. Let's go. It is so great to meet you. Uh, Likewise. I'm, I, I've been very excited to talk to you for a little bit. Uh, Soulflare is like my, uh, has saved my life as a developer so many times because like other <laughs> wallets sometimes swallow errors that uh, where, when I'm like debugging issues that Soulflare just like actually shows me the error. You think it's such a simple thing. But I cannot tell you the number of times I've been like, if it weren't for Soulflare, I have no fucking clue what this problem is right now. (laughs) You'd be surprised. We've heard that more than a dozen times. And honestly, it wasn't something that we built intentionally. It was like... You're just building things right without, you know, that's which is great. That's, that's that's awesome. That's really funny that you say that, James, because I also use Soulflare. Every time I'm doing dev stuff, I'm always using Soulflare for the exact reason. So there's I love no, that. There's too. no there's <laughs> no question, right? It's like, don't get me wrong, it's like I, I I do use multiple wallets for different things. It's like if I'm doing you know, it's like if I'm if I obviously if you do XNFT stuff, I'm gonna jump into backpack, whatever. But it's like Soulflare is is often my sort of personal go-to um just standard transaction wallet, but zero question when it comes to debugging uh, my own smart contracts and, and that kind of stuff. It's like Soulflare. <laughs> but but we did sort of like try getting that like snappy, quick loading, like instant response on click, like load times. And that's it is something great. that like we, would, we wouldn't uh, like using our own product if it wasn't like that. 
<laughs> fair fair <Yeah>, enough. <laughs> um, well, let's, well, I, look, I didn't mean to start everything with that, but it's just like, that's the first thing that came to mind. I was excited <laughs> to, tell you, to, start. to tell you that that was the thing I'm excited about, but I would love to just maybe roll back and we can do intros and, and all that. Uh, we've never met before. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit. I'm, I'm James. Uh, I've been in the Solana space for almost two years now, which I'm, I'm excited to be able to claim a full, a full two years. Uh, I I am not thrilled to say that before that I was mostly doing stuff in in the Polygon eco, ecosystem. Um, Chase Chase sort of brought me over to help with like developer education type of stuff. Uh, so wrote the the Solana development course that currently lives on Soldev and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I I somewhere along the way of like getting paid to do some work in the Solana ecosystem, I drank the Kool Aid and. And uh, now I'm like here and and thrilled about it for, for my own reasons. So that's that's kind of quick quick background on me. Uh, I Nick and you guys have met, is that right? Or is this? Do you also I need don't to think do an intro? Just over Twitter. Well, yeah, Nick, just over Twitter. You, you do an intro too, then, and then Vidor. I would love yeah, yeah, to sure, sure. get some background on you. Yeah, uh, quick intro for me. I'm full time at uh, Solana Foundation. I'm on the DevRel team. Uh, before that, I was one of the externals before I got picked up full time. Uh, and as part of the my time as an external and then my previous job, I was in the U.S. military for 10 years, uh, operating submarines and nuclear reactors and then transitioned into crypto. So going from controversial to uh, controversial jobs in industries and uh, yeah, self-taught developer, love building stuff. And we do this podcast. <laughs> I always introduce myself before him because the second he brings up nuclear submarines, it's like, I can't, fo I can't follow that. Yeah, right? It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> um, Different life. Vidor, obviously we know that you're, you know, uh, a founder of Soulflare, but uh, maybe give us, give us some info about you. We, we don't know. Yeah. So uh, I got into like software development way, way before any sort of like formal education. And basically it all started uh, with a group of friends, which we still are today within Soulflare, the company. We basically just played video games. We played some Counter-Strike and we all met online. We were from the same like region. And uh, you can do one of two things while playing video games, right? Either ruin your life or try to make something out of it. So we basically like quickly picked up uh, that we were able to like mod these games, create plugins, create websites that drove us into like all different like verticals of uh, development, not only web, not only like even like low level stuff. So uh, that's where I guess my like software development journey began. Since then with the same group, we've been uh, pursuing newer and newer tech whenever uh, it came out. Uh, that's pretty quickly like drove us to Bitcoin where uh, I have a funny story where uh, I was I was below 18 years old. I had like a web hosting company and I received payments in like various currencies. And one of these like payment providers was called Money Bookers or Skrill rather. And in my country at the time, there was absolutely no way to get that cash out. And the only way that I was like what I was able to do is to buy some Bitcoin. So that basically like crafted that position of, okay, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to look how, how it evolves. Uh, 
And I would say that like so you were buying, you were basically forced to invest in Bitcoin is what <laughs> yes, I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. I couldn't have spent the money otherwise. Talk about PMF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And since then, uh, like we obviously like uh, progress through like academic development, like, like through like university and stuff. Uh, I graduated as a software engineer, and roughly around that, like Ethereum came about. And given our like previous history of like like developing in on basically anything that we found that was interesting for us, Ethereum seemed like okay, this is something that we really like, like deploying immutable code. We think we're like good engineers. This is like awesome fit for us. Like write code once, deploy it once, and, and it lives forever. Especially with the concept of this like like programmable money and like self-custody, it's sort of like clicked because like we're like I'm in Serbia right now, like the financial markets and uh, in general aren't so like developed here. And being able to tap into some of these like nascent DeFi products was like very eye-opening um, for me. Uh, personally, and that basically drove me uh, to work basically in crypto. So we built a bunch of stuff on ETH, like wallets, indexers, explorers, scaling solutions, state, like you name it, we probably built it on ETH, which sort of got boring for us. And I'd say that the same group of the same team, like the past six years, uh, we said, okay, let's find new L1 blockchains, new tech that really excites us and just start building on it. I, I think we said at some time, okay, let's try to be like within the first 50 or 100 builders in these new ecosystems. So that basically brought us to a lot of stuff. We are like, we were like core contributors to Cosmos, Polkadot, Substrate, Persistence, Graph, anything proof of stake that came out. And we basically That's started, cool. uh, I mean, our first start with Solana was like late 2019, where uh, we found Discord, there was some like incentivized test nets. So we're like, yeah, cool, let's set up some validators. Let, let's see how it works. And we didn't really think much of it. It was like, okay, this is one of the networks with like the 10 other ones that we've seen. But the more time like we spent on Discord, it's made more and more sense. And it sort of like distilled itself as a technology that we, like something that we haven't seen before, both like the, the, like the credibility of the founding team, uh, like the, the architecture of the chain, the performance that it even uh, showed at the early days. We, we basically said like, yeah, this is probably going to be different. And at the time, like there, there wasn't anything on Solana. Like there, like there was no UIs built on top of anything. Just like sort of like developer tooling. And we decided, okay, like let's build like Solana's first wallet. And um, that's how basically the idea of Solfer came, and that's how we started building. Uh, we started building Solfer in 2020. That's, That's uh, amazing. I didn't realize you were so involved with all the other blockchains before Solana. Like I'm, I'm familiar with like you guys have within, uh, was it Solrise is the official company name where you have multiple wallets, multiple chains and whatnot. But I didn't realize you guys have been doing so much in, in all the other chains. That's, yes. That's awesome. So basically, uh, we became this group that's like, 
really agile and like basically a spider, like an extension arm of like foundations and validators, validator groups that wanted to build stuff quickly on this new tech. And we were able to basically pick up any new chain, any new technology within a matter of weeks and like build solutions on it. And sort of that's how we, I don't know, should I like establish street cred? Uh, but uh, in 2020, and we basically like did most of that work like as service, but in 2020, we decided, okay, like let's build our own products because we think we both think that we like have the capabilities, we have the resources and uh, that's our passion ultimately, like building like stuff on top of blockchains that just like enables like seamless usage of them. That's awesome. I want to yeah, I want to pause on a couple of things here because it's like there's already uh, some some cool things that uh, to, to point out. First, I just want to like I know I interjected and said like kind of jokingly like you were forced to invest in in Bitcoin. There's uh, there's a theme that I think pops up often on this this podcast, and I'm gonna gonna make it pop up again, which which is like I like to point out the the this is why crypto moments. Right. Um, especially for those of us in in like the United States, for example, uh, we take for granted the financial system that we have. And, and so I just every time I get a chance to point out to listeners an example of like why crypto makes sense, I, I, tr I try to do that. Right. So you so you were getting paid not in crypto, um, but but in in a in a system where you couldn't spend it on anything. Yeah. And so your only sort of avenue out of that system was Bitcoin. That's that's sort of what I what I heard there, right? I found a marketplace and they accepted Skrill as means of payment. I had money on Skrill at the time and no other way to transfer it or anything, yeah. basically. So, yeah. yeah, it just like so spontaneously happened. Which, which which obviously, you know, and then later Ethereum came about and I'm sure there was sort of ways for you to move from Bitcoin to Ethereum. And then and then you mentioned there's sort of early DeFi protocols on Ethereum that not only did it allow you to move, you know, currency around. It also, you said, opened your eyes to sort of what different types of financial tra transactions even existed. Right. Yeah. I think like CDPs and like collateralized debt positions or in modern verbiage, like borrow lending was something that like if you have some crypto, like you shouldn't sell your crypto to buy a house or a car when you can realistically like borrow against it. And like that financial setup is something that I would never get in my country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to be to be fair, even in a very. um I, I would say sophisticated financial environment, like in like in the U.S., it's also very hard for most people to get loans, right? Yeah, um, for sure. So, so it's like even even for those of us who maybe do have a, a financial system that we feel like for the most part works for us, there's still reasons for for crypto to sort of exist and problems that it can solve. So, anyway, that was that was quick detour just because I want listeners to understand. Like if anyone's listening here and they're on the fence about crypto generally, I want them to understand that there is product market fit already for, for crypto's existence. I think there's a lot more product market fit to be found, but, but there already is huge product market fit. It already solves a ton of, a ton of problems. Your point about like keeping an asset rather than selling it to buy another asset. It's like, keep your assets, borrow against those assets. Crypto makes that so much more feasible. 
and 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 fr- and frankly, so much lower risk because it's like uh, I could f- the the risk is da- is capped at um, I lose my underlying asset. So if I if I stake, uh, let's say I put a bunch of soul in margin fi and I borrow some USDC against it to to spend the USDC, my my downside is capped at whatever I deposited in in into to margin fi. Whereas in a normal financial situation, uh, my downside could be as much as like declaring full bankruptcy in the future, which is not just losing current financial assets, but also like destroying my credit rating and not being able to borrow again. And that doesn't exist the same way in this sort of collateralized lending system. So, so I like, I, there's tons of reasons for, for this yeah. to exist. And even what you mentioned are, and what I mentioned before are like very advanced financial instruments. Uh, I can give an example, like, we have like a solid user base in Africa that like every day tells us that like like police stop you on the street and look at your phone if you have a crypto wallet and send money to like themselves like basically the police steal from from, from users. Wow! And, really? Yeah, Shit. and then like we've seen okay why do we have a decline of like like software app users because we've got a report because like if a policeman finds like a crypto app, they're going to send that crypto to yourself. So basically we've seen like an increase of like software web users where users can like easily log in, log out uh, sort of thing. And, and just wanted to make the point that like, what's our like, okay, we had all these like cool financial benefits, financial instruments that can like make our lives easier. I, I think like for some people, like crypto is the the only thread that they're like holding on. And in these systems where like governments are corrupt, like people in the street can like steal from you. I think crypto might be like the the only way to solve those problems. That's yeah, that's that's wild. That's not one yeah, I'd, I can't I'd even, heard. I can't even fathom like having like there's there's naturally being someone who was born and raised in the US I've I've traveled to other countries and I've experienced quite a few other countries in in Asia and just I can't even fathom that like someone stopping you on the street it's like the 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 classic like empty your wallet at gunpoint sort of situation but it's oh I saw you have a crypto app let me let me steal your crypto like that's wild especially from you know people in authoritative positions like the police well nick you remember that one episode where I I said something about only using my phone and uh what and it was uh someone reached out afterwards and was like, You're gonna get you're gonna get five dollar wrench hack kind of thing. Like someone was, just get, yeah, I remember that. It was Jacob Creech from oh, it Foundation. Was, it he was, reached it out, was you're gonna get Jacob. wrench attacked. That's no, that's right. He <laughs> hit me up on Slack and he was like, dude, you're being stupid. So I I, <laughs> I fixed my uh security protocols after that, but <laughs> But, uh, Progress, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to take for granted, um, you know, the sort of the society we live in. But um, so so that was that was one point we sort of derailed on. There was another thing you mentioned um, that I wanted to come back to and I'm and I'm spacing on it a little bit now. But I think it was I think it was, you know, related to, to sort of your your moment of seeing that, oh, Solana maybe is different. Right. Where where it like I thought it was cool that you mentioned experience experimenting with so many different chains. And it sounds like you guys still do. Right. Still still build in different environments a little bit. But you had this moment where you're like Solana's different. I, I'd love to zoom into that a little bit. And, and like, what was it? 
you mentioned a couple a couple broad things, performance, that sort of thing. But like, what really made you think, wow, Solana might be the real deal? All of this was fun to experiment with, but like, we might actually want to push forward more intentionally with Solana. Yeah. So uh, I vividly remember w- what was it, and I think it's important to like preface that like. It's not something that you just like say, hey, I think this is better or this is better. Like, I think we like had the opportunity to like holistically evaluate a new technology because we were like beforehand building on like more than 10 non-EVM blockchains. So we, we've seen all the architecture patterns, we've seen all the trade-offs made, and we've seen... Uh, but, well, some of them made our lives easier. Some of them made our, our, our lives harder. But I think the aha moment from Solana was like, I obviously uh, studied computer science and, and software engineering. And I think one of my favorite courses was like, like parallel software. And uh, when I just like high level went into Solana's like, parallel runtime and needing to like specify what accounts are readable, what, what accounts are writable. And that like little overhead the developer needs to make for the underlying like execution layer to be so performant, that wasn't something that we've seen before. Uh, and that was something like that made us think, wow, this is like something like significantly different. Obviously there were like, like an array of reasons after that, that we've seen how like, Okay, you might need like a few hundred dollars more uh, to run a validator, but like these benchmarks are like more insane than anything than anything else that you're trying to build. We've also like compared to relevant benchmarks of other blockchains, and we even run run these benchmarks, and we've seen that like Solana wasn't lying <laughs> on their benchmarks as some others uh, might have been at the time, because like most of the benchmarks are like like they don't make any sense it's like okay like we're gonna run a trillion transactions and not do any like deduplication or signature verification like that's not gonna work on a production system like that blockchains just don't work like that so like that uh uh are uh we previously like did like rust work uh on some other blockchains but uh we sort of like like the programming model of like how we implement like programs in Rust. And uh, yeah, there's probably like a bunch of reasons, but we've we've seen that the fees are so low and they're not like, they're not low because like it's a governance parameter that is just for the time being until the network gets saturated. I, I think that like the reasoning why the fees are so low because like a signature verification is the most expensive operation within a transaction they were like, were like, this has a solid chance of fees staying that low. And this has a solid chance of achieving throughput as on benchmarks. And this has the speed of 400 millisecond block times that we are already seeing at like early days of a mainnet in uh, 2020. So that plus, uh, I think what was like very important for us is like receptiveness and responsiveness from the like the founding team in discord i think we even were like i think we just like threw some like oh it would be so cool if we had like this rpc endpoint behave like this and like the team actually implemented that so like that sort of like receptiveness we (laughs) honestly haven't seen in other ecosystems that we were building in before nice 
That's way cool. I mean, all of that tracks with like my experience with Solana and what I know about the, the core team and all that. Um, so you just so you guys decided to build a wallet and and this and this is where things get um, to me get crazy. I can't fathom the 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 like mental pressure of knowing that I'm building software that is managing somebody's key private private keys secret keys so so like i i'm just i'm curious like like when did that weight fall on you like when like when did you feel that it totally wasn't like that and us building the world was like wow this is the coolest thing that we could be building and like wow let's do tokens let's do staking and we were like okay let's build a wallet people will use it and then like we made like a very specific like like architectural decision where like pe when people stake their Solana, we sort of like enumerate their stake accounts. And then one uh, like afternoon, I was like, okay, let me just like try writing like a simple script to see like realistically how many people use Solflare based on how many people stake through Solflare. And we basically got to the number that like 75% of circulating Sol was staked through Solflare. And I think yes, that was the awesome. moment when we like sort of figure out, oh shit, this is real. You're like, oh, oh no, we have so, a lot of users. So you were so you were just having fun, which is which is awesome, by the way. It's like I don't think the the sort of pressure of responsibility should necessarily take away from having fun. But then you had a moment where you realized, like, oh shit, we're responsible for a lot of financial assets. Did you? When, okay, when that happened, were you like, I'm so glad that we uh, are just like a security first minded team or were, or were you like, oh, shit, we got to we got to go clean some stuff up or both. Right. <laughs> yes. So I think we like went into the whole thing with like a very security first mindset. Like we built like previously we built smart contracts, we even built like L1 blockchains that held a lot of money inside of them, like a lot of like uh tvl AUM, whatever you want to call it and then we basically like applied all that all, all all those learnings into like building it while having fun at the same time yeah uh, obviously as like stuff got like more serious and serious you then like slowly start like involve like more like operational security procedures who has access to what who pushes to prod how where's your domains and stuff and stuff but like uh, it was sort of like a natural progression because like when we built Solflare in like early 2020, like you probably remember Solana didn't take off until like 2021 or so. So Solflare was like the like old wallet, the first wallet on Solana that people used to just stake, send, send their tokens. And basically it was like sort of left uh, like that for a long time until we did like a huge refresh in uh, 2021 where we built the extension and like the expanded view uh, on the extension and also like a whole new uh, look and feel to the web wallet because previously you could only access access Soulflare through like the web page you could either connect your hardware wallet or you could every, you, you should you, you needed to every time upload your key store file uh, same as I don't know if you remember like Mitre wallet on Ethereum it, it was like that in the early days. So like Mitre wallet was sort of the inspiration, inspiration like product wise when we were building Sol the first first version of Solflare in 2020. 
That's crazy. I'm not early enough to any of these things to to have experienced yeah, that. Like you're actually just uploading your your key pair. That's that's nuts. <laughs> I would be so nervous as a user. I'm just like, all right, well, I hope they don't have some like random script on here. Like, oh, it was all front end. Like the, the code, like it's all executed on the front end. Like your keys would obviously never go to any of our servers. Yeah. Um, and, but, but like, yeah, every time you wanted to like check your balances, you would need to like drag your like key store file into the, into the file input field, which was like terrible user experience, <laughs> which is well, another lesson that we learned because like other blockchains, like before that we built on, none of them had like sub second block times. And like when you get into that, like sub second range, you, you, I think your brain sort of like rewires and starts thinking of the experience as if it was on like a, on a web page, and you need oh, yeah, to 100%. do adjustments like that. Like it's not sustainable for someone to click something and then wait thirty seconds for a transaction to confirm. The transaction is already confirmed. You need to give the user feedback. You need to like let the user like go on and like take next steps. So like user like Solana's performance definitely like had an impact on like user experience and how the wallets on Solana evolved. Oh, 100%. Like until Solana, like the blockchain, like any blockchain ecosystem, any blockchain product, like more or less didn't ever think about user experience because there was nothing they could do. If your layer one or even your layer two is just really slow, like there's nothing you can do to make it feel fast for the user where it's like once Solana like started getting popular and people are like, oh, wow, this can actually be at the speed of light, you know, transactions at NASDAQ speed, I think is the quote. It's like, there just wasn't a concern there. It was a limitation. And like, we've had, we've had a designer on the, on the podcast before, shout out to Phil. And like, we talked about like, what is, what is blockchain user experience? What is blockchain product design? And it, it does change with every single blockchain. And like realistically until Solana and having, sub sub one second block times and and finality for transactions like it didn't matter but now we have we have lifted those limitations and now it does matter and and the the products and the companies that are taking note of that are strides above the rest and it's it's very noticeable which companies and which products actually care about that user experience like you were just talking about earlier of of the the snappiness within the Soulflare wallet itself and and how if it wasn't if it didn't feel quick like even you guys wouldn't use it like that's that's important uh, what you just mentioned uh, reminded me of a story uh of the first first Soulflare ever built um like the the commitment like the block commitments like weren't like really like fully defined and once you did an operation in software i think it was like waiting for 32 confirmations which you know takes like a a long time and i think totally came and said like why are you guys waiting for 32 confirmations like one confirmation is more than enough we need to show how fast the chain is so like once we like tweaked that like little commitment configuration like everything like started being like 100 times faster like totally changed the user experience Nice. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, so you don't cool. have to wait for a finalized commitment. Like you yeah. once you have a confirmed commitment, it's it's effectively optimistically confirmed. Actually I think finalized is optimistically confirmed. I don't remember. I, I think confirmed is optimistically confirmed, but there has never been a one confirmation yeah. rollback on Solana ever. Which yeah, doesn't mean that 
it's justified to wait for whatever number of confirmations for the 0.0 effectively users or like occurrences of a potential rollback. So uh, I'm curious at what point at what point war did you guys sort of shift from we're having fun building building a thing to like this is a this is a business right like we um, we need to sort of formalize the way that we work around this and and um, you know formalize revenue streams that sort of thing. Uh, we actually built a lot of stuff on Solana like. We, I don't know, like, are the, the same team also built like Solana Beach, which is, was one of the like first explorers. Um, we also built really? like- Really? I didn't know you, you guys built You Solana guys Beach. built Solana Beach? We with staking facilities. I had, I had no idea. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at Solana Beach yesterday. <laughs> uh, one of my it, favorite it, hoodies is yeah. a Solana Beach hoodie over here. Oh, is the that... puffy one. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, maybe not. That's the other one. No, I got but, I got yeah. one from Breakpoint last last year. I don't think it's the one you're thinking of, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So so we built like a few protocols. Like we even built like a DeFi protocol, the asset management protocol. We even built like an institutional DEX where we like partnered with Civic, where like institutions could come on board and trade like Bitcoin, ETH, and stuff on Solana. And this was like all like peak uh, 2021. Uh, but I think, uh, we, 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 we didn't like really quickly figure it out, but we sort of figured it out that like, uh, our, uh, skills are much more, are much better used if focused than diluted everywhere. So, uh, we, we sort of wanted to be on that like first line on the front line of like onboarding users and like developing something like really secure. And, uh, basically like it all made sense to just like build only a wallet. So I think right now our main focus is, uh, Solana and Soulflare. Uh, obviously, uh, some companies start thinking about revenue early. Some companies start thinking about revenue late. Some companies raise so much money that they never start thinking about revenue. I think we're sort of like in the middle tier where we're like, okay, we're burning cash, we're making some cash, how could we make some money? Is this a sustainable business? And then like, like talking with a lot of investors and like figuring out wallets are obviously uh, like a very sustainable and viable business. And you can see some of the like early like MetaMask, for example, like who made like a million dollars a day in the bull market on just on swap fees, which is insane. You can see Exodus, which is at this point a public company. They also have like infinite cash uh, and uh, and basically can just like have fun, uh, same as we do. So uh, we're sort of like, we're making some money, we're burning some cash, but we're, I think we're relatively close to like becoming break even. Uh, which in this market, I would like, I'm very satisfied about. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that's, I mean, for where things are at, that's, that's awesome. Um, it to be break even in a bear means, means that things are going to be great in a bowl. So, so yeah, that's for sure. That's awesome. I'm actually curious, Vidor, like what is the business model of wallets? Is it, is it frankly just swap fees and then taking of the Excel, basically taking swap fees or is there some other things like I've talked with people at other wallets and like we've had Armani on the show although we didn't really talk about backpack like at all um 
And like from from my perspective, the only thing I could think of is swap fees. But is there something else or is it just swap yeah. fees? So like swap, we don't like calling them swap fees. They're convenience fees. <laughs> Uh, and, it's all about uh, user experience. Yeah, it's not only like it's not only like taking a protocol and, and like putting on like like a fee on top. We also like have like a pretty advanced routing logic where we try to ensure the best quotes. So we're not only using like Jupiter. We're also like uh, like piping that order flow to market makers who are maybe able to quote better than an order book or an AAM. And uh, we are like constantly trying to find the best quotes and then taking a fee on top, which effectively might not put the user at an, at an absolute, I wouldn't say an absolute loss, but like at a loss. And there's also uh, the convenience thing because uh, we have a product guy in our company. He's also been in crypto for like seven years or like a lot of years. And when, when we ask him, like he's also like an Ethereum OG and I asked him like, okay, so where do you swap? He says, I swap in MetaMask. And I asked why. He said, like, it's so unpredictable if you go to Uniswap and all of these, like, warning dialogues. And then Uniswap's front end might be compromised. Like, if I do it in MetaMask, I know basically I'm safe. So I think, like, wallets being on the front line for users and providing that, like, optimal user experience is basically are basically giving the users the benefit of not need needing to trust like n arbitrary parties that do thing x so an incredible point i've not considered before is like the is is like the is that by micro interactions it's like i'm by bypassing a swap fee in a wallet and going to a front end i actually exposing myself to an additional party that like i I, I just hadn't even considered that before because it's like I I you trust your wallet implicitly. That's the thing that's managing your key, and so and so implicitly you're saying I trust this this piece of software to manage my security. But then you go use a front end from a random front end for a swap, and 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 you're saying and 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 you don't even ask is that as secure as the wallet? Because if it's not, you're only as secure as the weakest link in this chain. And so if the front, if it's not, then it's like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> and imagine if you're trying to do something even more complex, you want to on-ramp, you want to go buy an NFT, you want to list an NFT for sale, you maybe want to like, I don't know, borrow again, like borrow some soul against an NFT, take some soul, swap to USDC and sell it. You would need to like trust like, 10 different dApps, on-ramp, off-ramp providers, exchanges to do this stuff for you. I think we're trying to basically create a very integrated experience for the user that optimizes for the user experience. So anything that you want to do is do it in the wallet. And this isn't like, as I said previously, like let's stack our fee on top of everything and like that's the business model. There are some protocols that we uh, that are looking to integrate with us. And they're more than happy to split their revenue with us because we're building, like we're bringing those users, yeah, bringing to, users them. to them. They're so generating volume. They're making money. We're making money. Users are uh, getting the service that they wanted in a very convenient user, user experience optimized way. So like that's like the, the thinking around convenience. There's obviously like like a lot more uh, revenue streams like if you go to stake to Soulflare, like is 
are, are we expecting a normal user to know how to pick from a validator list? I don't think that we should expect that unless they're going off of some guide. So I mean, maybe, maybe once slashing is implemented. <laughs> maybe once slashing is implemented, but then there's also insurance if someone can offer it. Like a service like that, right? Yeah. So uh, I think I, like I, I another... think you may have you may have just convinced me. It's like I I've never I've never really been on board with uh, it's I, actually let me let me roll that back. You have to totally, say you don't swap in your wallet. You go to a website to swap. You're a power user then. I do go to <laughs> I do go to a website to swap, and I also have have um, at times been frustrated by wallets. Not being super clear about about their fees, yeah, and, and I and I still have a problem with that generally. But I think Vidor, you just convinced me that it's not worth going to a separate website for swaps. That, it's I, that, I, should, that I should just be doing it right in the Soulflare app, and 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 you convinced me for two reasons. One was the security thing that you know we we already talked about, but you also mentioned that like. It, oftentimes it's not even a, a, a net loss. It's not even like a payment on my part because you're doing some intelligent routing for me to make sure that, you know, I'm getting the, the cheapest, um, you know, swap prices available. And, and so it's like, that's, that's probably enough that it's like, cool. My swaps are through Soulflare now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, security is definitely very important and, uh, like even more advanced, like levels of like such an integration. Some wallets that are like capital heavy are providing their own liquidity. They're quoting themselves. And then you just don't need to pay the whatever basis points AMM underlying or whatever basis points underlying order book fee. Yeah. It's just your liquidity you quote it directly. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Another you know another thing with swaps generally that I've that I've taken issue with is uh is is flat percentage like i like i feel like i feel like it should be some kind of graduated decline in in percentage as the volume goes up right it's like if you're going to swap thirty thousand dollars worth of a of a thing that's uh it doesn't cost as much to do that swap from from like an underlying infrastructure standpoint um, and it feels like fees fees should be lower on a percentage terms, even though they're higher in absolute terms. Well, you know, uh, the more you fuck around, the more you find out. So <laughs> user feedback <laughs> like that is very useful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm literally thinking out loud here. Um, but no, that's that's super cool. I I uh, I do. I want to I want to pivot again, because like I'm I'm super curious. Uh, we've we've talked a lot about like we've said you often and sort of been talking about like Soulflare broadly, you know, so your answers are kind of like we, I kind of want to ask some personal questions, right? Where, where it's like, how do you feel about working on, on Soulflare? How do you feel about crypto right now? What are you excited about? Right? Like, does that, does that make sense? The pivot yes. I'm, I'm kind of trying to go for? Uh, definitely. So uh, I think I mostly dedicated my career into crypto and a good part of that went into Solana and I definitely don't see it going away. Uh, I the, I love the industry because like the highs are very high and the lows are like very low, but you sort of like, it's more dynamic. You, you I just like it. I like the dynamic and 
I like building Soulflare. It's it's like a great product. We have honestly a lot of users. We get a lot of praise on Twitter, and it's basically uh, it's basically like like builder satisfaction. You build a product that users like trust their money with and love, and that's basically it. I couldn't be happier doing anything else. There are obviously some like really hard things with all of that like running a company, administrative things. And like, it's all maybe like, like idealize it. Like we all sit in the room and hack until we pass out and it's all fun. But there's like, obviously some hard things. Like sometimes like fundraising is hard. Sometimes dealing with people is hard. Like dealing with computers is easier in my opinion. <laughs> what what, what is most speaking? of our opinions. <laughs> yeah. All, I mean, all of us here are, are devs for that reason. Right. Uh, what is, what is your day to day look like? Right. Cause it's like, you are an engineer sort of, but also you're the CEO. Uh, and yeah. so it's like, you're, you're, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious to know like what your day to day looks like and, and what, what sort of work you're balancing with your, I would like to code. So I, I unfortunately don't get any of that. Uh, I just get to like come up with cool ideas, what someone could feel really good while coding. Uh, and finding like really like intricate Solana use cases that like no one has uh, thought about before. Most of my day to day is like a mix of operational product and then like a lot of tech meetings, planning meetings. Uh, a huge part comes is like determining like what's what's our strategy, cross chain, multi chain, going DVM route, bringing in DVM route. Like there's a lot of stuff that also needs to be like, like a lot of effort needs to be invested to figure out, okay, like where are wallets going? Where is self-custody going? Is the future of self-custody wallets? Like there's a lot of like very high level thinking that I think is very important to be like done upfront for uh, like me and my co-founder to be able to like steer a company. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't and, get to and, code rarely. And what, and what, I mean, that, look, that's, 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 that's obviously the role of a leader, right? Is, is to try to see around those corners and, and figure out what's, what's coming, what's, what's the wind going to look like and how can we ride it? Um, what do you think? What do you see over the next 12 months, 18 months, 24 months that is going to impact you personally impact soul flare? Yeah. Well, I am at this point pretty confident that we're going to see some like outbreak applications happening on Solana. Like, I think it's a no brainer at this point. Uh, highly scalable applications where people don't necessarily even to know if there's an like a, if there's a blockchain beneath what they're like clicking at. And I, I honestly think that like that's going to happen uh, in Solana. Uh, I don't think self-custody is going anywhere. And I only think that like self-custody will evolve uh, in different ways. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't think like storing your keys thing is solved. And I think that we have yet to discover a proper way to uh, for to do key storage. Uh, one of the, I would say, most probable like outcomes of that is that like every device that you have has a CPU which has like a secure enclave similar to a Saga. 
So all of your private keys will be inside of a chip on a device and the wallets will effectively be only an interface towards the blockchain, consuming that like, like keys, those keys underneath. Uh, we want like Solflare wants to be like ready for like applications that achieve that scale. And we basically want to help them and their users uh, have a seamless experience managing their assets. Because if one of these like apps like does like if an outbreak of sorts does happen, like I don't think it's both like time or capital efficient for a team like that to build uh, their own wallet. There's just like too much stuff to build. So we're sort of like extracting stuff of some that we built and trying to like embed it in like different, different like settings, environments, platforms. So tr trying to be a bit vague here, but of course. Uh, like <laughs> that's sort of what we're seeing. I think to, if I needed to summarize uh, like it, I will summarize with a question that I, I think I previously mentioned, like, do we all think that wallets are the future of self-custody? Maybe yes, maybe no. And both directions uh, have, would yield like sufficient, like marching orders. How should I say? Yeah. It? It's also probably yeah, not, sure. it's also probably not entirely binary, right? Where, where it's like, there may be a future where app specific keys is pretty standard for certain types of applications, but that's certainly not going to be the case for like um, very financially heavy applications, right? It's like, I'm never going to trust a random website with thousands of dollars worth of, of assets like that absolutely has to be self-custodied. So, so it's like, even, even if there is some sort of shift away from uh, away from wallets for some things, I would think that the influx of users for crypto will be greater than that. And so the overall use of, of wallets is just going to go up over time. Yeah. And I do think there's like a, <laughs> I, I thought there was a bullish case for wallets post FTX. Uh, I don't want there to be a bullish case for wallets post Binance, but if that does happen, I think like there just, there just won't be another answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't look, I, I just, um, I just spent like six hours last weekend trying to retrieve my FTX, uh, transaction history and go through that for 2022 tax reasons. And, and it's like, after that, it's like, nope, I am not touching anything centralized just because it was such a headache to, to try to do my taxes. Uh, I will only use it for an on-ramp and off-ramp, right? So that, so that I, so that it's like, if I, if I, that, just that way I don't need records from that organization. Cause it's like for months and months and months, FTX didn't, uh, your transactions weren't even a, a available, right? Like I couldn't have done my taxes back in April when I was supposed to, because those well, transactions don't worry, FTX weren't wasn't doing their taxes either. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they, <laughs> of course not. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I, anyway, it's just like, it is, it is a huge headache. Like I'm a, I am a huge fan of, of self-custody. I think that's, I think that's the only way to go for, for things that are taxable or, or, or have, have real value, right? Like I'm a big fan of, of having app keys for like maybe a game that's sort of not finance related or something. But, but when it comes to, to financial 
anything, <laughs> financial use cases of any, of any kind, it's like it's it's got a, it's self custody or bust is sort of where I stand. I mean, I think it depends though, because like if you think of it from there's there's different perspectives to think of it from where it's like you're indoctrinated like everyone on this call here everyone on this this podcast episode like all of us are indoctrinated into the self-custody world we expect to have a mnemonic we you know expect to write that down on stamp it on steel bury it in the ground sort of thing but then if you think about it from the perspective of people that have never touched crypto before they're maybe curious they want to like experience it like having this hopefully 24 word seed phrase that it's like don't lose this or else you lose all of your I mean, money that's a well, huge well, friction well, point well, for well, new well, people you're, coming you're, in. you're arguing you're arguing a different thing though like that's you're i not, think it's one the same no 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 because what you're arguing is the ux of self-custody as it stands today which i think to vidor's point is like what he's trying to think about okay is where is fair. that ux going to I can evolve agree with that. how can we get ahead of that improve those those things right because I don't know, like, I'm not comfortable saying that this is the only way to do self-custody. Yeah, I think yeah, we'll okay. just like... Fine, that's fair. <laughs> we'll be witness of, like, those keys moving up and down the stack yeah. in, in some shape yeah. or form. Uh, and, like, that will, like, probably happen sooner or, or later. Yeah. It's going to be an cool. interesting uh, next 12 months for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Look, I know you, I know, uh, I appreciate you answering the question, even though I'm sure you've got some secrets up your sleeve <laughs> that you had to sort of keep hidden. So, so, uh, I'll, I'll allow the vagueness because I know there's sort of things in, <laughs> Judge in, James, in the, he'll in allow the works. It. I'll allow it. And that's all that matters is that I allow it. Um, anyway, man, this is, this has been awesome. It's been so great to, to chat yeah, with you. It's been great to meet uh, you and chat. I feel like we could chat for another couple hours and it would feel like normal. So, um, I won't, I won't do that to you, but, uh, before we wrap, is there anything specific that you want to make sure you get across to, to listeners before we close for the day? Yeah, I think, uh, we had a pretty big launch, uh, where like any MetaMask user right now, thanks to Soulflare, uh, is able snap. to directly connect to Solana dApps with like zero to no additional onboarding needed. So I, I think this is huge because uh, I think we've seen like more than 20,000 users, like MetaMask users onboard to Solana already uh, through this integration. And a lot of them uh, also bridged funds. But like, why is this important? I think this is important because we are like thinking in a very targeted way of how we can bring in users to Solana. And I think in this sort of market, like bringing in retail to Solana is like really hard. There's been a lot of bad press and stuff that might be a friction point, but bringing those like already established crypto curious users and MetaMask's user base is huge. And like having them like two clicks away from connecting to something that I previously mentioned might be a, like a breakthrough on Solana is pretty big. And once that use case comes, like there will be no friction for EVM users to come over bridge and connect. And there won't be that friction of like, let me set up my mnemonic phrase, backup, whatever, words, whatever, right? And uh, I think that's gonna be like, like that's gonna be pretty big. 
because we exposed Solana to this like huge user base, which is just like waiting for a use case that on which they will activate on. And so they don't have to pay $12 to transfer $1 <laughs> worth of value too. They don't even need to know that it's Solana at the end of the day. They just need yeah. to like have a cool compressed NFT use case that they will click through every day. Just an example. That's, I don't know. that's, that's awesome. I think that's, I think that's sweet. What did you say the name of this is? There's no name the of Metamask. this. There's no name. It's, it's, just, it's basically it just works. Like, if we, it just works. Yes, we can go into the technical details. It's like a small plugin that lives within MetaMask that gets automatically installed once you connect. But I, at the end of the day, we were thinking about user experience. A MetaMask user comes to Solana DApp and they want to do something. What's the shortest way that they're able to do something? And I think we built it. If they use the MetaMask that they already have, so yeah. I can go. So I could go test this today. Like I yes. have MetaMask installed. I could I could go to any Solana DApp and connect with MetaMask instead of uh, exactly. any, any other wallet. You'll have an embedded wallet, which shows your Solana assets. You'll also have a seamless bridge that works unlike any other like old bridges out there. It's using dbridge, uh, which allows like 40 second bridge time between ETH to, to Solana, which in normal circumstances, you would wait for hours or days using other bridges. So we basically like shortened the, the, the attention span, like the time span until when an Ethereum user comes to a Solana DApp and is fully on board, is able to transact. And then or, there's also the benefit of, it's totally possible for Solana DApps to sponsor gas fees as they're like so low, right? So this is, this like, is, this is huge. Optional. This yeah. is huge. I Look, I'd seen on Twitter that there was something like this, but I, I'd not sort of paid enough attention. I don't, since I'm not really an EVM user anymore, I I, I didn't pay tons of attention. But, <laughs> Saw uh, MetaMask logo, but, <laughs> kept scrolling. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but, but the, sort of the way you're describing it now is like, this is huge because I completely agree. The bear market is probably not the time that we're going to be onboarding a bunch of non-crypto folks into into crypto, at least not via a, you know, a wallet, right? It's like maybe they'll onboard in a, in a different way because they're excited about a different type of app and they don't even know that they're using crypto, right? But but for someone to intentionally use crypto, it's not, not a ton of people are coming from that angle. But like you said, uh, a bunch of there's a bunch of people using EVM who are who are like already interested and if they can just experience if they just experience the increase in performance the decrease in fees it's like it's a no brainer for them to to move a bunch of stuff over over to Solana so yeah. that's and we're also running a campaign that's basically like mission based every two or three days you get a mission you need to go to on tensor to list something you need to go you can mint a compressed oh, that's NFT really cool. We're basically I did see like, like Soul Scout. Is that Soul what it's Scout? Where yeah. these users are basically like able to like like fill out the like dip their toes in, see how yeah. fast and cheap it is, and then just stay. I actually meant to talk about Soul Scout so much sooner in this conversation because I I um, am often trying to explain to like my dad, for example, who's who's like older, but also he like he was a programmer once upon a time and, and is, it gets very excited about technical stuff, trying to explain to him like how to use a blockchain. And 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 I'm often at a loss for like, well, what's the low stakes thing that you should be experimenting with to get familiar with this, to understand this environment? And like Soul Scout is it, right? It's like, well, just do what Soul Scout tells you to do. And you might not like all the missions, but some of them are going to grab you. And regardless, you'll get a, a lay of the land and understand, 
you know, how everything sort of works and what you can do here. It's like, it's like a, it's like the, the onboarding of a video game, right. Where, where it's like the first few minutes of the game are, are just sort of teaching you the controls and how to play and that sort of thing. That's what soul scout reminded me of. That's exactly. cool. I actually, I'll be honest, Fedor. Like, I hadn't seen this at all. I've been heads down coding for the last like little bit, and I haven't, I haven't seen this. I'm gonna need to check out Soul Scout. This sounds amazing. Definitely, it's like not it. only open for the MetaMask users, but also uh, software users in general. Uh, and you're just able to basically enter, and every few days you have a new task. For example, I think we started like a cardboard citizens compressed NFT mint the first day. Uh, because this was like an activation MetaMask for activation campaign for MetaMask, and the first uh, sort of mission was uh, like sponsored by the Klanos. They created like a, a dinosaur that like sort of looked like a fox, and basically had like uh, sort cool. of looked like MetaMask. So basically, we we wanted to build it as an engagement cam- like activation campaign for all these users coming in, so that they know what to do. Because if you just like end up in a wallet, like realistically, what are you gonna do? Yeah. No, I, I freaking love that. I think that's awesome. Well, good stuff. Hey, you uh, listeners, you heard it. You heard it here. Go use Soul Scout. Uh, if you happen to be an EVM listener, although I, I can't imagine why you're listening to our podcast if you're just EVM exclusive. But hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully that actually does become a thing, and we can onboard people <laughs> through this through this show. But if but if you are an EVM user, uh, you can you can use. This this bridge inside MetaMask to to come uh, use Solana DApps, which is which is awesome. Well, uh, thanks thanks so much, Vidor. I think we're you know we're already sort of over when we asked you to dedicate your time to us. So I appreciate you sticking around, chatting with us. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I would love to do this again. I'd love to chat again sometime if if you'd be open to, to joining us on here because I think you have. Uh, a really unique view into the ecosystem that not everybody has, given your engineering background, given working on you know a lot of different L1s, uh, you know, given now that you're you're the CEO of of Soulflare, right? Like one of the top wallets in in Solana. So I'd I'd love to chat with you. Not to mention about being around all sorts since of other things pre mainnet. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I definitely have a lot of other stories to share, and we can definitely do that. Uh, this this show felt awesome. Uh, awesome so thanks, man. guys. Awesome work. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have cool. you back sometime for sure. Listeners, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for being here. Until then, bye. Farewell.